Welcome to Camp Wire. Today we'll be discussing what makes for great camp singing experiences and song leading. Uh, my name is John Beitner. I'm the Professional Development Manager for ACA's Western Region. Um, and I've had the privilege of working with two of our guests today on conference uh, content uh, around song leading. They're two of my favorite resources on the topic. Um, my guests today are Jackie Breger and Larry Hall. Um, they, again, are, are my favorite resources on information on the history, on the depth, on the breadth of camp song leading, and real champions for keeping this critical part of the camp experience as impactful and transformational as it can be. So my guests are Jackie Breger and Larry Hall. Uh, Larry, would you please introduce yourself to our audience? Absolutely, John. Thank you. Um, I'm Larry Hall. I presently serve as um, a 4-H educator with Ohio State University Extension. I'm wrapping up my 26th year and getting ready to retire, but I have had a long-standing history of working with singing groups, be it through church, camp, 4-H, military kids, whatever, and um, I have been tapped on numerous occasions to lead um, camp song uh, uh, sessions at camp counselor trainings uh, in a camp setting. Uh, so I'm, it's a combination of, I love to sing. I am a song starter. I like to start songs and get everybody embroiled and, and have them kind of take off with it and do things. I've also been affiliated with Buckeye Leadership Workshop, and there we sing in three concentric circles, uh, about 145 people each wow. year. We've been at it for 75 years, and we sing to the center of the room in these three circles. So I've role modeled that in other camp settings, and some of them have uh, adopted that, uh, that thing. But I, I use the oral tradition, I don't hand out song sheets or lyric sheets. I do utilize them for resources when I'm building my song list, um, but I want people to be as natural and creative as they can be as they build up their heart songs and their repertoires. Excellent, excellent. And your sessions are really so popular at the Ohio Camp Conference. Um, I know that people are looking forward to that you know, as we, as we get closer to it each year. Jackie, you and I uh, have something in common. Uh, we both worked for the same camp, but not at the same time. Um, please introduce yourself to our, our, our audience. I sometimes think that I might have been there before you were born or when you were, you could have been my camper. I could have been your camper, I think so. <laughs> um, and the, the camp is Tumbleweed Day Camp and it is where I got my start in the world of summer camps. Um, back in the mid 60s. So it goes back a long time. But before that, I kind of grew up in a singing tradition um, in my family and, and people were interested in folk music way before the folk music revival in the 60s. And I have great memories of extended family, you know, just all the generations, aunts and uncles, cousins, grandparents, gathered around, I talk about this in, in the book, which I'll tell you about in a minute, but gathered around this ancient Philco recording machine and singing songs and then listening back to them and having these, they, it cut wax records. So there we all were singing rounds and harmonies and all kinds of wonderful stuff. And then we got to take them home with us. You know, it's the, the forerunner of the uh, tape recorder, wow. which probably people still don't even know about what do we record on our phones now or whatever. But right. so, um, so there was a lot of singing and whenever we had chores to do or went on driving trips, we sang. And um, so by the time I started working at a camp or by the time the folk music revival, quote unquote, came along, I was in college and I thought, well, I have to learn how to play the guitar because that's what you did in that in those days and and then I became the song leader at Tumbleweed and um, haven't stopped since then but and even before that I have a memory of um, 
going to sleepover camp. The first time I went, I was maybe about nine and um, I loved it. I mean, I really loved camp. I loved all the activities, but the memory that has stayed with me all those years is of a campfire one night when, I mean, there, there was the singing, which was very impressive. And at mealtime, you know, it never occurred to me that you could sing at mealtime and, you know, singing around camp and stuff. But one night um, we'd gone through all the rowdy songs and then it was time to start calming down. And the group started to sing, Tell Me Why, which I had never heard before. It's a very beautiful song with a very beautiful harmony. And I thought I had died and gone to heaven when I was listening to it. I couldn't sing it. And I was so annoyed that I couldn't sing it because I didn't know it. <laughs> and uh, it just has stayed with me, you know, as a, as a moment that is treasured. And, and I talk about in workshops and, and in my book, um, looking for those magic moments, because it, I, I think it's what binds us together. And that's the power of singing is um, Bernice Johnson Regan, who founded Sweet Honey in the Rock said that songs are a way to get to the singing and that it's the singing that releases endorphins and feelings and emotions and, and the, you know, and the connections and stuff. Um, anyway, so I started with all that sort of not quite consciously in mind, but in mind, at some level, um, during the year, I mean, summer camp tumbleweed was wonderful. And then during the year I was starting to do music in early childhood programs in Los Angeles Unified School District and in special education. And my goal was to take the essence of camp singing and bring it into the public school or later private schools and elementary schools and preschools and that something happens in, you know, I, I believe that if all kids went to camp, they would be much better learners. Learning would be more fun and effective yeah. for them than it is in school. I agree. And I wanted to take that singing and bring it in, you know, and, and I had at one of my schools, which was a regular public elementary school, a principal who got it and wanted it. And so we planned these community sings for, you know, 500 kids and their families out on the yard and wow. you know it was it was big <clears throat> and then um over the years i began to notice that singing singing and i put that in quotes for now was disappearing a little bit and i know we'll talk about this as we go that it the, the singing time was becoming more like cheerleading and you know the songs were disappearing and the chants and the raps and the you know all the other stuff were sort of coming in. And so um, I was prodded by my colleague and friend, Cindy Moore, into um, encouraged. I had sort of talked about, I should write a book. And she badgered me for a couple of years. Yes, you should. Yes, you should. Until finally I did on how to, how to teach songs and lead singing in camps and schools. And with some, what I had hoped would be useful tips um, to bring back the singing culture. Excellent. I just think it's so important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you've you've provided the perfect segue because you know today is all going to be about the why and the how and uh, getting some of your advice on on best practices and things. Um, you are both the experts, and thank you for <coughs> those magic moments, um, Larry. It must be amazing when 140 people are in concentric circles singing mm. together and, and and blending together and. Uh, and Jackie, I think you're right. I think that uh, that's the culture of camp, you know, is we enjoy the activities during the day, but what really brings us together are those special magic moments. So let's drill down on that. So why singing? Why is it important in the camp experience? And what happens when a group sings together that makes it such a powerful and transformative part of the collective experience? You know, something happens physiologically, actually. There's now some research that things change in our bodies when we sing. 
Um, there's a guy named um, Daniel Levitin, if anybody's interested. He's written a couple of books. One is Your Brain, This is Your Brain on Music, but the one I like is The World in Six Songs. And he was a rock and roll kind of musician guy and you know, then went into the academic world and started doing research on what happens. And there's a lot more as, as part of this explosion of brain research that's happened over the last 40 or 50 years that we, the body releases endorphins and, you know, there's actually chemical changes that happen to us. And if you stop to think about it, um, there's an enormous body of, of um, religious music, you know, whether it's, whether it is um, ritualistic kind of chants or composed music. Um, so, you know it has to be important. If it's a way to reach the spirits or God or whatever your religion is, something's going on inside the body that makes that possible. And I think that's what happens in camp. I mean, one of the values of camping in general is to develop a sense of community. And um, the singing together supports, more than supports that and enables it really, I think. Otherwise, you just have a bunch of kids doing a bunch of wonderful activities. But it's the singing that really pulls people together. You know, I think singing is a shared experience. Nowhere else on earth will another group experience that same feeling, that that same experience. Talent is not required. Um, I have a good friend who who unfortunately passed away after serving 40 years on the camp, Chuck Worth, and he admitted, he says, I can't sing, but in certain situations like the song circle, I'm able to sing and appreciate what other people are singing. And, you know, he, he said he couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, but he was a great singer singing in concert with, with other people uh, in that. Um, it's an event that's not replicated anywhere else because at that moment with that gathering of people, that's just a special gel that comes together. And I love the, the phone calls and the emails from the parents right after a camp. And they say, the kids sang song after song after song until they passed out from exhaustion. <laughs> and that tells me that that was a successful camp. Absolutely, absolutely. And I and I had a similar experience in an elementary school. I was teaching the kids, uh, we were working on what would be their graduation song, which we always kept secret until the day of the culmination program. And it was there, I presented it always as their gift back to the school and to their families. And, and I usually picked songs with deep meaning you know, the, with the words that had meaning and some difficulty, but always within the same context, Larry, what you were saying is so important. You don't have to be able to carry a tune to be able to sing. But I used to get calls, you know, so the kids were bound by, by each other and by me to secrecy. And then I would get calls or comments from parents when I would see them that, you know, so-and-so is singing in the shower. He's never done that before. Or the teachers would tell me they were singing out on the yard and I would go, yes, yes. <laughs> it's as it should be. That's and I, I think I had a, a mentor who became a friend, who's still a friend, who could not carry a tune if her life depended upon it. <laughs> and yet she's the person I've learned the most from about doing music with young children. She was a preschool person. And, and so I think that point is exactly right, that I think that what's happened over the years in, particularly in Western countries where, you know, we have this emphasis on performance as, as, music, has, as music has become um, a, a big industry and it, it's, it is seen as a performer's medium rather than the singer's medium. And if you go back to in time, it was the people in villages and small towns. Even I'm interested in folk music and the history and political songs. It was how the news was carried, you know, that 
you had the the uh, singers in the court who would go from one court to another bringing the news um it was late it wasn't like today's news and and um so it, it wasn't it wasn't the ability to carry the tune or to make it a perfect performance that it was important it was the essence of the content and then of the being together i think the the song circles and the, those concentric circles it's a good visual image yeah you know so and that must be very powerful larry um are you in this the very center of all that when it's happening or where are you there are times if i start the song i might be in the center but there are times when we'll sing up to three simultaneous songs with each circle singing a different song wow. and becomes around uh for instance um I want to sing, 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 a uh, swing low, sweet chariot, and when the saints go marching in, all melt very well together. And so um, one of my mentors, Bill Henderson from Ohio, he says, we always do it, sing, swing, saints, and we each circle is singing a different song simultaneously, and the smiles and everything. And we're a huggy group at Buckeye Leadership Workshop, so it's not unusual for them to feel the vibrations through their musculoskeletal system as they're hugging each other, their breathing becomes synchronized and the overtones and undertones start appearing if as if by magic and the harmonies float in and out. And you, you know, there are certain individuals that have been in the circle that I can pick them out of a recording. And I'll say, oh, that's Beth Lloyd from uh, West Virginia, um, because she cuts through it like a knife. But it's all done in joy. Yeah. And, and the, the melody is there and the harmonies are there. Um, so uh, what we suggest is sometime during the camp, five days long, that you get to the center circle just to experience it. But there are those of us that drift to the outside circle so we can encompass everything that's that's being performed. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, it just excellent examples of bringing people together. Um, and I love what you were saying about the the brain research, Jackie. Do you, in your experience, because you guys have vast experience in this, do you see this as a real confidence builder for for campers and uh, a chance for them to shed some of that street kid, street cred, cool kid stuff? Uh, absolutely. And they don't even have to shed it. They can just, you know, it takes a while some for some kids to get into the singing culture, but they, they do. Um, and it, it's a, it's a confidence builder. Would I use that term? I'm thinking, um, it certainly helps them to feel connected to other people in a positive way. Um, you know, when you think about singing around or singing harmonies, you absolutely have to have other people with you. You know, so it's the opposite of what the kids get in school and what our society sort of practices, which is this, this individualism, you know, you, the bootstraps and you can do it on your own. And, you know, that's, well, I won't use the word I'm thinking of, but it's hogwash. And um, we can't do anything on our own except maybe stay in our beds or in a chair or something and i think singing almost you know that community singing more than any other single experience um supports that and insists upon you know people coming together and i think that kids it's it's understanding the give and take of relationships you know i used to say to kids not so much in a camp, but in an elementary school, preparing for a program. I mean, when I would go into the classroom and sing, I had, the only rule I had was you can't screw it up for anybody else, you know, but um, it didn't matter to me if kids sang on key or off key. I mean, I would talk about that place in your voice that even on a loud song is still singing, not shouting, and to keep it in the singing domain kind of a thing. Um, but when we were preparing for some kind of a program, be it graduation or holiday sing or something, then I imposed some standards that they had to meet. And one of them was to think about what kind of a singer 
they are? Do, you know, do the kids feel like, you know, and to me, there are three groups of singers. There's the group that really has all the musical talent, innate stuff, where you could be on a freeway, you could have bombs dropping, you could, you know, have all these things going on, and you'd still be able to carry your part and carry the tune and not be distracted. And then there's the group that sings very well as long as they're singing the same thing as the person next to them is singing. And then the third group is the group that hasn't become attuned, you know, and, and very few of those people are tone deaf. There are some who are, but most people who say I'm tone deaf are not. <laughs> they just don't have the experience. But I would put it to the kids, you know, just think about where you are. And then the self-identified strong singers I'd put on the outside of each part group, you know, I would, if we were doing a part song, because they could hold the group together. And then I would tell the, you know, the singers who could do fine with, as long as they're doing what the person next to them is doing, would be to stand next to one of those people, you know, and do what they do. And so it, it's a way of developing that self-awareness. It was the first goal was the self-awareness, which then leads to the confidence and all of that. And the second goal was to have a beautiful song. One of the aspects that, that I like to introduce <laughs> into any of our camps is always the opportunity for people to lead a song if they so choose. And it might be another counselor, might be an adult, but a lot of times it's a camper and you can't pick them out as to who might want to do it. Right. And I've had some wonderful experiences where they come up and they lead a song. It may be a brand new song to us or whatever, but the cheers and the applause afterwards is such an uplifting experience for them. And it, it, it also points out someone that as they grow older, I'd like to get them into the fold because they have some in, you know, innate leadership ability. Yeah, and I, I think one of the, the, the greatest fears that people have is having to speak in front of a group. I'm sure having to sing by themselves in front of a group is even worse. It's absolutely. An absolute terror. <clears throat> so it is, yeah, go on. I was gonna say, uh, so I'm glad that, you know, maybe these camp experiences especially when we can sing sort of anonymously within a group are, are helping polish off some of the edges of that um, and, and kind of build that strength in people. Well, it's the old safety in numbers. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if you carry to, and I remember when I was in elementary school, my school was, you know, getting ready for the, what we then called Christmas programs now are holiday programs. Um, and I sang in the, choir because that's what I did and after it was all over my father came up to me and and he said he could hear me singing and I was maybe in third or fourth grade so it would make me about eight or nine years old and I thought well that's pretty cool you know and as I grew up and started working with kids and singing and stuff I thought how did he know how did he really was he being a good dad or did he really hear me singing? And so I asked him one day, you know, as an adult, I said, so remember when you said that, did you really hear me or were you just being a good dad? And he said, no, I absolutely heard you because you sang the same off key tune in the choir that you had sung at home when you were practicing. <laughs> but, it, but it didn't matter, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've always had trouble remembering tunes, which is odd for a music person. and. I, you know, so I don't stress it with kids because I know that it'll come, it will come if they just keep singing. Yeah. And if they're in a group and it doesn't come, who cares? They're, it's, the experience is bigger than they are. And that's what I want them to take away. You know, that, and I think when kids spontaneously burst into song, you know, out on the yard in a school or out in the woods in camp, no, nothing is more powerful than that for yeah. me you know, and, and especially when someone decides to join in with them that's exactly that's a magic moment too so uh you've both done some excellent uh information on, on that sort of community building aspect and some some good kind of like practical advice too but 
what advice do you have for camps that want to add to the, to the culture of camp through camp songs and through singing? I recommend that they start simply. Don't try to come out with a huge repertoire, but have an assortment of some simple songs. And we look for heart songs. A heart song is a song that a leader could lead at the drop of a hat. They've already put it into their, their memory banks. And, you know, they might know one or two heart songs. Somebody else might know one or two more. And start building that community out of that, but, but keeping it simple. They don't have to have a multi-page book to go, okay, now we're going to sing number 13, you know. Right. But, uh, that's worked for me. Well, and that's more like a hymnal than a camp singing experience, too, <laughs> <laughs> which is, serves its place. But um, I, I think Larry is right. I also, I've been thinking about this um, for the last couple of years, actually. Um, and I think that I know I'm in Los Angeles and we've gone now through, I would say, three or four generations of now adults, but children who have come up through the school system with no music in schools, particularly in elementary school, where, which was more of the singing than formal music education. And they don't know what it feels like. And I, I did a series of workshops for uh, an early childhood organization in Southern California over the last couple of years. And it hit me in the middle of, I did two a year for several years, you know, that teachers didn't know what I was talking about because most of them who were under 30, I would say themselves, had not had this experience of singing together with other people. And so I think that it's important to create some experiences and that can come in, in pre-camp training um, where you actually bring in somebody I and mean, it could be somebody like Larry or somebody like me or there are other people who know how to do this, but to sing with the staff, not necessarily teaching them the songs, but taking th them through the experience and in, in, in those workshops with those teachers that I did, I was talking to the organizer of them and I said, you know, I think I have to manipulate them. <laughs> I, the, the final workshop I did, I said, because they, they don't know what we're talking about. You know, the organizer knew and um, I knew and one or two people, but as a group, they really didn't. So if you don't have a sense of what you're after, you don't know if you've gotten there or so not. So you had to build an emotional experience? And That's exactly what I did. Plan for Okay. So I, it, it, I had a three hour block of time with a little intermission, you know, a break for people to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but, you know, so I kind of did stuff in the first half, but then the second half I planned songs much like the arc of singing in a camp, you know, where you'll start with the shorter songs and the heart songs and the easy songs and the fun songs and you build and your campfire repertoire, I think is always a really good measure of the camp's overall singing program, you know, um, and how you lead up to and build the confidence to lead the more serious and beautiful songs and the rounds and the, which requires some more attention in teaching and, and the harmonies and stuff. And so I, I picked songs that I knew would get them there. And um, by the time it was over, it was about an hour, that last part. Usually people applaud at the end of a workshop if they're not throwing tomatoes or something. But, <laughs> you know, there is this, you know, thanks for coming and stuff. There was absolute silence for several seconds. And I thought, yes, I had achieved what I had hoped to achieve. And some of them had tears in their eyes. I had tears in my eyes, you know, and then they knew what I was talking about. Yeah. And, and then we can talk about how do you get there? Yeah. And what are the different elements and the different components and the different parts, you know? 
Well, that's, that's, that's an excellent segue. How do, we, how do you get there? What are, the, what are the components? What are the parts? What does good song leading look like? When you see someone who's doing it uh, and you're impressed by their skill set, what are they doing? Uh, what are the other component pieces to, to make this a success? Well, I would like to say what they shouldn't do okay. first, <laughs> um, which is it's not about them. They shouldn't be showing off or saying, wow, look at me leading this song, um, which some people do, especially with the silly rowdies and stuff. Um, and I think it comes from a place of discomfort. Um, it's they should disappear into the leadership of the singing and um and take themselves and their kids very very seriously which is not to say you don't make jokes you know but but it's it's not trivial what we're talking about it's deeply deeply important and for kids to have that experience they have to see the adults around them valuing it and having the experience and then sharing the experiences it's, it's not just singing together in circles it's the young and old kids singing together and the adults joining in and it is a truly shared experience and so you have to be a little humble about you know you, you have to disappear into your song and and you should love it i mean i think larry said this either earlier today or the last time we talked that you have to love your song when you lead it yeah and i do have i do have a pet peeve <laughs> and and one one of my pet peeves, one of my pet peeves is a song leader who says, "Who knows this song?" Yeah. Yeah. What are they going to do with the answer to that question? That's right. Because if someone knows it, they might raise their hand. Does that mean you sing it or you don't? <laughs> if someone doesn't know it, they're afraid to raise their hand. So it's like you have wasted precious few seconds when yeah. you could have been singing. Yeah. So just launch into it so that with the attitude that at least one person in the group has not heard this song, so you're going to teach it. The other people that already know it will sing along with you and have fun with it. Um, it, it and mix up the teaching styles, whether you line out a song or do a call and response echo, um, sing it through if it's short once so that they at least hear the words once and hear the melody and then launch into it again. And, and I ask people if I'm doing a grace. I said, I'm a song leader, I like to sing. If you would like to join me, please do so. If you choose not to, that's okay too. Because I don't want people to think I'm trying to ram religion down anyone's throat. Right. Um, but it, it is an opportunity. I tell them that historically we sang graces before meals and this helped us shift gears from the chaos <laughs> of coming in and getting ready to eat and everything and listening for announcements and such. And um, some of the harmonies that came out of it were serendipitous. Mm -hmm. yeah, and Jack, I think you were referring to that too, how planning a song leading session from the fun songs to the beautiful songs really can reset the, the mind, can do a nice, you know, uh, preparation for going off to sleep and, and, and things like that. Um, talk about that. How do you, how do you guide um, less experienced song leaders um, in choosing the material in, um, like, like Larry said, starting simply um, and not giving them an out by saying, you know, who knows this song? If you don't know it, you're not going to have to participate. What, are, what other advice do you have for them? Well, in addition to the who knows this song, I agree with Larry that you never ask that question. Um, the, other, the other piece of that is um, I always have the assumption that kids will like, if not love, any song that I love. And I would say 99% of the time that's true because what comes through is the, the authenticity of my relationship to that song Absolutely. and to singing it yeah. and it's it it is um irresistible to the group so that you know even kids who thought themselves you know thought of themselves as non-singers are they're kind of suckered in yeah. 
and um, or they're drawn into it is the positive way to think about that. But would you um, still break the ice with the silly songs before, you know, the the one? I think there's an arc. Beautiful? There's an yeah. arc to the day and to the session and to individual things. So um, I think breakfast, you know, at a, at a sleepover camp, at a resident camp, breakfast is the time you sing rousers because, you know, like Rise and Shine and a whole bunch of other songs like that that get kids up and moving in the morning. You know, um, lunchtime might still be kind of rousy and rowdy and by dinner time, you know, it's a, it's a mix. And then at campfire, you want to start off with something that is maybe not quite, or maybe it is as rowdy as earlier in the day. But then the arc of that is that you move toward, you know, through that toward another song and then end up with your really beautiful songs to send kids off to bed. There's also the arc of the session where you assume, um, and I think Larry is absolutely right, that some kids will know the song, some kids won't. And what asking them, aside from leaving you high and dry, if somebody says, I know it, or I don't know it, kids will be embarrassed or they'll think they'll know. I, I was working with um, some staff at a camp which shall rename, name, remain nameless at this point. It's not because it's bad, but I don't want to put them on the spot. But they happily gave me their staff to try to, to experiment on. <laughs> to do some stuff. And I was teaching Wadali Acha to them. And one of the counselors who was lovely, but a typical college age person who just wasn't gonna let me get away with anything. He was just gonna challenge me every step of the way. It doesn't matter if you know the words or if you know all the motions or something. And I you know, had to think of how to, how to bring her in. You know? and, and so I said, well, you know, it's, on the one hand, that is true. It doesn't matter, you'll get what you can get. But I took them through a very slow, long, drawn out, deliberate teaching, learning of the motions and the words and then how they fit together because that, that's a third dynamic. So you can get all the hand motions, you can get all the words, and then you put them together and you go, oh my God, this is not easy at all. You know? And she came up to me afterward and said, now I understand why it's important to know the words because she had always faked it and didn't feel part of the group. Wow. You know, when, and, and that she could acknowledge that to me after having ragged on me for, you know, the whole teaching time. But, but it's an important point that if kids don't know the song, they don't feel part of the group. Right. But we, we don't see that, you know, we, we maybe know it intuitively. But so it's our job as song leaders to make sure that everybody knows everything the best they can and that the whole group respects, it's a basic lesson of life, yeah. what, you know, what we all can do and that together we're stronger than we are individually. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Larry, when, when you um, ask the question, what does good song leading look like? I look for smiling faces. Yeah. I look for sideways glances because they're checking in uh, visually with other people around them to see if they're swept up in that spirit as well. And the, the talent comes out of themselves. This is not American Idol, America's Got Talent or The Voice. It's an opportunity for them to, to seek joy in their own way, shape and form. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, um, Jackie brought up a song that I know, uh, Wadaliacha, that has a lot of kind of gross and fine motor skill work in it. Um, yeah. Can you, can you talk about the benefits of that? I know, Larry, you're an educator. Um, there are a lot of songs that, that do that sort of thing. Um, what about the benefit? And I know, Jackie, you come from, from special ed. What about the benefits of that kind of combination of gross and fine motor skills with song. And then another one, I know there's a lot of kind of silly nonsense words in songs, but what about the sort of opportunity to grow vocabulary? Because I think kids are encountering, you know, they may not know where Austria is, but now they're singing about an Austrian yodeler, you know, 
what, talk about those things too. Or they're saying an ostrich went yodeling. Yeah, and then it becomes a silly song which to the nth degree. <laughs> and chartreuse buzzards become sharp tooth buzzards, <laughs> or really vice funny. versa. But they're um, learning the color chartreuse if if they've right. never encountered that before. And and I, you know, when I'm working with kids. I try to use different teaching techniques for the visual, the auditory, and the kinesthetic learners, which are all a blend of those because I'm a blend of those. And I've found that songs with motion help some people retain it much better than if they just hear it and sing it. You know, they're not part of it. And, and so throwing the motion in, and a, one of the ones that I learned from a, a former colleague, I had an eight where you know they're doing as many different motions simultaneously. And I've practiced it for years to get it to the point where I can move my body in these places. Everybody else starts laughing because they're struggling with the motions and that's all right, you can do that. And, and I've even been experimenting now that I'm getting up in years, um, what can I teach at a sitting position or even sitting on the ground because some of us with less mobility you know many camps say okay let's stand up to sing well that's great if you can do that easily not everybody can and i've worked with groups that are in wheelchairs or uh, immobilized in some other fashion so i'm trying to attune to their needs and i say if you want to stand please do but if you want to stay seated, you can do that as well. And they seem to enjoy having a little bit of choice in the matter. Yep. I, I agree with all of that. And I would add to it that um, I think if the goal is developing the sense of community, which for me, singing together is, uh, or the goal of that, uh, that's the value, the important part of it, then we have to think about the things that go into that. And some of it is, you know, I've noticed that sometimes kids make up motions to songs um, and I watch them and look at them very carefully. And sometimes they're, they're doing it as a reaction against or, you know, to not knowing the words, you know, so they're doing this stuff with their hands or, it gets silly and out of control a little bit or something. So I, um, I think that it's important with songs and even silly songs have meaning and they, the words have meaning. You know, I, I don't teach a melody. I mean, I teach the melody, but I don't stop and go over it and over it and over it because kids will get it by repeating it. But I will stop to clarify words, especially if I hear like the Austrian ostrich thing it's one thing to make choices um, that are silly and kids will do that though, especially nine, 10, 11 year old kids will go out away from the adults and, you know, make up gross versions of songs. I did it when I was a kid, kids will do it forever. But I was at a workshop with teachers and I started to teach them, do your ears hang low? Cause it was a song that we did at that school a lot and they had observed in the morning. And one of the teachers, just gasped and actually fell off her chair onto the floor because she had learned it from her big brothers as do your boobs hang low <laughs> and never knew there was another way. <laughs> and, you know, somebody tended to her and made sure she was okay, picked her up again, <laughs> but it, it, it was a wonderful opportunity. And I think as adults, we have to distinguish between kid culture and the <clears throat> group culture yeah. and kids are going to have their culture and they should have it, but it needs to be away from the formal group singing yeah. time. And um, so even with silly songs, a lot of them came from political protests. A lot of them came from different places. They, they mean things. Um, I mean, Wadali Acha, you know, doesn't mean anything, but it comes out of an era of pop songs, you know, which is what people did. And of course the motions have nothing at all to do with the words. It's just a repeating pattern. Yeah. So, but, but I think the goal is to make sure that kids take it, 
you know, you do it often enough and slowly enough that kids can get it, that they have the opportunity to get it. And then they go off and do what they will with it. In the group, we do it all together. But you know, when they're in the shower, when they're out in the yard, when they're in the woods, who cares, you know? Yeah. It's, and when my camp counselors are preparing for like the, the last campfire of the camp, and they know that they want to use a couple of songs that have a lot of meaning, they start teaching them days before exactly. and giving them fragments of it and building another verse in, another verse in, so that when it comes time for that heartfelt moment, it's not a strange song. Yeah. You know, uh, like Pass It On has no repeats and it's a beautiful song, but they need to learn it before right. the evening that they're going to perform it. And I, I, and I think um, there's a relationship between teaching and learning and, and you have to understand how we can't teach anything. I can't make you know the song or not know the song. I can present it and try to figure out what kind of a learner you are and help you to understand that and provide opportunities for you to learn the song. And, and I, I talk a lot about that in my book. Um, I think it's important it's it's not just sing back to me or sing what I sing or something that that there's a real value there and how can we we do it best when we all know it and can do it together and how do we get there yeah um, and, and I think too that if we're after that sense of community which is what Larry is talking about on that last night that should be the most powerful night of of camp and kids should you know, have maybe a little, the beginning of a little tear in their eyes, whether they will admit it readily or not, but they'll go home and sing that song all year long until they come back. And I think and good camps do that. Like you were saying, you had to plan for an emotional response to the song. Exactly. With that group of teachers. I think good camps are doing that for their closing, you know, crescendo. They, they're, they're plotting <laughs> very carefully well, for that. It that is moment. right. Yeah. And, and then going back to your earlier question about motions and words and vocabulary, all of that's important. My, my same mentor friend who couldn't carry a tune used to say, you know, you should use the richness of vocabulary that if somebody can learn pink, they can learn magenta at three years old. And, but, and I, not but, and I look at those things as important and valuable and as byproducts. Yeah. I don't necessarily introduce a song because it teaches a concept i introduce it because it's wonderful to sing and it's a nice trick you, you can go concept. off of chartreuse buzzards and you know and introduce kids to a whole range of new color names that they're not exactly yeah I, I love that idea of using the camp song to kind of uh lead some some new thinking on on topics and you know whether uh you know we can all stand up for this song or not is a very nice kind of culturally embracing message um, that is an ancillary benefit of teaching the song. Suddenly we're thinking, well, not everybody learns the way I learn or has the same, you know, abilities <laughs> that I have, you know, that's okay. And there's space for them in this community. That's excellent. One of my good experiences um, was several years ago at a national gathering of 26 states sent uh, a group of kids with one or two adult advisors and they asked me to lead a campfire. So I introduced um, the Little Green Frog song, my version, and um, we sang it, had fun. And then Arkansas jumped up and said, can we teach you our version? Sure, come on up. And then Nebraska and then Kansas. And before we were done out of 26 states, we had eight versions of the Little Green Frog song, all, all similar, similar melody, but different sound effects. And you could tell they all had similar roots, but that's what teaching by the oral tradition is. And when somebody jumps up and says, that's not the way it goes, and we, I try to bring it, rein them in and say, listen, how you teach it is your way. And in this place and time led by this person, this is the way we're doing it. When you take it and go teach it, by all means, make it yours. Yeah. Yeah. What about, what about camps that feel reluctant 
to have melodic songs because they don't have a guitar player. What advice do you have for them? How, what, how, what's the workaround if they, if they don't have someone, you know, producing the tune to stay on? Well, uh, as the guitar player in the group here, um, I'll say that we guitar players, I think, did in the tradition of singing. Um, s singing predates instruments, historically, religiously, and in every other way, and in camps. I mean, before the 60s, nobody had guitars. And you think about the Girl Scouts in particular and some church camps where, you know, people had their hymns that they sang. You know, people, people will have their hymns in church whether they have an organist or not. Um, and I think that it's hard, but if, if camps are serious, if, if the camp ownership or leadership is serious about developing a singing culture, they should explore where there are workshops during the year. They should give their, their, their continuing staff, their returning staff, and their song leading staff opportunities to go and sing with other people. And, um, and then come back and you, you, maybe you have two or three or four adults standing up in front of the group to, to lead the song. I mean, the hard part, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, I um, tore a ligament in my left hand and I was not in a cast, but in a brace for six weeks. And I couldn't play the guitar. And it was a real um, humbling experience for me, you know, because it had been 50 years I've been playing the guitar and now all of a sudden I can't. It was harder on the kids because they worried about was I okay? This was in schools and with young children. And, but once we got past that, I had to really go back to square one and lead singing without a guitar. And I think I, the guitar brings something to it, it helps, it can keep people on track, but of all of the guitar players, there are not so many of them that are good enough to be doing this. So that sometimes they go unky plunky and you know, forget the chord change and the, the guitar becomes an intrusion. Okay. And often with a beautiful song, I will put my guitar down and you know, just join the group. And, and I often think of a tradition at Unicamp, which is UCLA's student-operated camp for inner-city kids up in the mountains, sleepover camp. I was a counselor there when I was in college and then later became the director of Unicamp. But as a counselor, it was the first time I experienced the, um, the serenades, the bedtime serenades. And you know, there are logistical issues to figure out who stays behind and make sure kids really do stay in their beds. But the idea of the staff and counselors getting together and going from one sleeping area to another and singing songs was very powerful. And everybody looked forward to it. And for the staff who were doing the singing, we stood in a, in a circle with our arms around each other. And we might do, you know, a light song, but always ended up with some really beautiful songs. But there we were, you know, just sort of flowing, our bodies flowing with the music coming out of us. And I think that that same thing can be captured at a campfire um, with kids if somebody's confident enough. You know, if you have a um, enough adults, enough staff to take it, ser taking it seriously is the first step. Take yourself seriously, your song seriously, and the kids seriously. And, it, uh, you know, and it can happen. You know, the Girl Scouts have been known as the singing people I used to, when I needed a song, I'd call up a Girl Scout and say, you know, can you teach me this song or do you have a song for this? And they always did. They don't so much anymore. Interesting. And when, um, yeah. yeah, when I uh, when I go to camp, I usually take one of my guitars. I almost never take it to campfire. Right. Um, I don't want people to see that as, oh, well, I don't play guitar, so I can't lead songs. Um, but when we have jam sessions, then we break out guitars and mandolins and you know whatever, and and have a great time. But many times, Jackie. I will put my guitar down so I can hear the other people. 
exactly. and, and, and let, let their talent, their voices come out. And then I can have fun harmonizing and trying some, some innovative things. Uh, Cause I grew up with a folk song culture as well. And uh, so I like to play around with that and um, I don't have to be front and center. I don't have to, you know, have to have the biggest guitar or anything like that. So speaking of resources, a friend yes. of mine swears by <clears throat> Rise Up singing. What this are some other? Print. Yeah, I think that's uh, in print. Is it still in print? Yes. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I'm saying it's a good friend. Um, and there's a there's a, a follow up, a second volume, Rise Again. Oh, great. Um, I think that and that it's the best thing that's happened for group song leading. I mean, it's got 1,200 songs in it words and if people need the guitar chords they're there and they're good songs and over the years they've developed some teaching tapes so you can get them um and they just have like a a verse or a chorus or some not the whole song but enough of the melody so that if you don't know the song um excuse me you can learn to learn the uh, melody i think it's an absolutely essential resource Excellent. and if there were no other you know i mean i just People who ask me, I just say, don't buy anything else, just buy that. I mean, there are whole lots of things you can buy that will help. Right. But if you have the budget for one thing, it should be Rise Up Singing. Yeah, Rise Up Singing comes from the Sing Out Corporation. Rise Again Songbook is through Hal Leonard. The Tune Book by Johan Anderson um, has um, songs and creations as that company. If you, of course, you can Google anything nowadays, but on YouTube, if you look up Clover Campers, you can see camp songs being performed um, by various people from, from camps. And through our BuckeyeLeadershipWorkshop.com, um, we have marketed three CDs, one every 10 years in our 75-year history. Um, so if people really want the melody, they can get that at a very inexpensive price. Um, you know, we go through um, and and pay for the copyright fee so that we can market it. And, and you know, we do a few hundred every time we, we burn one out. Um, but it's a, uh, a great resource. That is a great resource. And then, Jackie, of course, you wrote the book on this topic. I did. And one... <clears throat> And, and I, I think it's a good book and I think it's very useful to, or would be very useful to camps. Um, but one of the things I did was I filmed some singing sessions because over the years when I've done workshops with teachers um, and I taught a course, a college level course on doing music with young children, teachers don't believe me when I say kids can do this and this and this. And so I, I filmed um, my singing with kids but, you know, in order to get the sense of how to teach the song or, how, you know, what a session looks like. So there's a DVD that's included with the book. And what's the title and where can people find it? It's called Singing Together. And this, you know, then it goes on how to teach songs and lead singing in camps and schools. And it's on Amazon and it can be gotten from Healthy Learning, which is the ACA bookstore. Yeah. Excellent. And the publisher of the book. <clears throat> um, I think that one of the things that I talk about is the details of things to think about as a song leader when you're presenting songs. And, you know, uh, uh, one colleague who was reading a draft, she said, well, this is your mantra. You, know, have you, you have to know yourself. You have to know your group and know your song. Yeah. But, and we throw those terms around a lot. Larry was talking about it, but I really went into more detail about what that means and what it looks like. For example, knowing what kind of a learner you are. So if you're a person who learns words quickly, the chances are you're going to be inclined to rush through the teaching because you got it fast and you leave behind the other kids. On the other hand, if you're a person who takes a little longer to learn something, you might overdo the teaching a little bit. And yeah. so there's a balance, you know, and, um, but it, 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 
so what I tried to include was some of the details of, you know, behind these little things, know your song and smile and be a good song leader. And, you know, what, what does that mean and what does it look like? Excellent. Well, we're, we're coming up on an hour. Um, so here's my last question for you. After such a lifelong commitment, both of you, to, to camp and the camp culture, are there any final insights that you want to share, um, maybe one or two each, uh, with this upcoming generation of camp professionals? What are your, what are your last two, you know, out the door kind of bits of advice for them? Go ahead, Jackie. Um, I think that it's really important to, um, to experience singing with other people. And, um, and that if a camp is going to do it, they should make the commitment to quote unquote, doing it right. Um, and find, you know, when um, Larry was giving the information about Rise Up Singing being published by Sing Out Corporation, Sing Out is a folk music magazine. It's been around since early post-World War II. And um, it has listings of festivals around the country in, in all areas and regions of where you can go and hear and be part of folk music happening, whatever it looks like today. You know, it's different than maybe when I started out or something, but there's a way of learning songs. Um, it's important to, to sing and, and then not to hesitate to ask people like us who have been around a while to come and help. And, and I would say that um, you have to think of the singing not as something that just happens. Many of us came up through the tradition. As a camper, you come away, and even as a counselor, this is just what we do in camps that have this. But it isn't that. And if it's not nurtured and fed and watered and you know all of these things, it goes away, which is yeah. what I think we're seeing. Yeah. So you have to take it as seriously in looking for staff who know what they're doing as you would any of the boating activities or archery or, you know, any of those other specialist activities that while everybody can sing, song leading is a bit of a specialty and maybe not everybody becomes a song leader. Um, maybe more people can lead songs than who do. So how do we nurture that? And how do we create the environment in which they feel comfortable? And, and they have to kind of, have the experiences. So, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is how to find some local resources to go and sing with people. I used to go to folk mu music festivals and be in the audience and just sing. You know, I'm not a church goer, so I don't have that. But when I do go with friends or if there's a wedding or something, I love it when we have to take out the hymnal and sing, you know. Um, but I think you have to sing. That, that's what it's about. You have to do it. And, and camp leaders, let me just finish and then, and then I'll make room for you, Larry. Um, camp leaders have to take it very seriously that this, this is something that deserves special attention. Yeah. Yep. Two points. Camp song leaders are very powerful if they are practiced and they need to know what has just happened to the group and how long and what's going to happen while they're participating and what's going to happen immediately afterwards because they can change the mood so easily and affect the complexion, the atmosphere. The other part is, is a legacy uh, idea. Uh, my favorite quotation by D. Elton Trueblood is that a man has made at least a start in understanding the meaning of human life when he plants shade trees under which he knows full well he will never sit. Wow. <laughs> so we're planning, we've sat under other people's shade trees that they planted. We need to plant some for the future generations that will be around when we're not around anymore and establish that legacy and keep, keep the music going. Wow. Well, we, can't, it, we can't do better than that. It's we? a little like the idea of pass it forward. Yeah. Yes. Right? Pay it forward. All right. Well, thank you both very much. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Larry. Um, where can people reach you? How can they reach you if they've got follow-up questions? Well, I'm easy to find. Um, 
I have an email. I do that best. And it's my name. It's J-A-C-K-I. No E. It gets lost in cyberspace. B as in boy, R-E-G-E-R. Um, all one word, at Mac, M-A-C dot com. Okay. I'm happy to hear from anybody. And my email is hall.392 at osu.edu. It is my Ohio State University um, address that I will keep after I retire. <laughs> H-A-L-L.392 at osu.edu. And I'm, I'm happy to help with anything ACA-wise. Uh, my email address is j-b-e-i-t-n-e-r at acacamps.org. Um, follow us on, uh, follow us at ACA Camps on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Campwire is available on Spotify and iTunes. Uh, Jackie, Larry, thank you both so much for all that you've done for generations of, of people. You've really planted some trees for us to, uh, to find comfortable shade under, both of you. And I sincerely appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you for asking. And, and I would say, you know, if people have questions and questions emerge, then maybe we could do another conversation about Absolutely. next steps or something like that. That's great. Would be lovely. That's great. All right. Well, thanks again. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Have a great day.